Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. using this like a like a podcast studio this is super fun yeah first time podcasting in a Rivian. this is my first time podcasting in Rivian. yeah amazing rj thanks for doing this yeah thanks for, for spending sure. the time uh welcome to the waveform podcast yeah oh uh, we have so much to talk about so you're the ceo of rivian yep. and i've owned and used a rivian that i've talked about in the past mm-hmm. and i love the thing it's a truck We've got this R1S here that we're doing the podcast in. It's a full-size three-row SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, with the ocean coast interior? With the light interior, which is pretty yeah. sweet. And the this is limestone, is what it's called on the outside, yep. on the paint. Talk to me about how you got started with getting into cars and how Rivian started. What's the like origin story that you give people? Yeah, well, I um, it's funny, we we're just talking about origin stories. Yeah. Started the company about 13 years ago. Okay. And, uh, Initially, um, we were focused on a very different product, so more of a sports car was the initial thought, and we spent a couple of years iterating through that, but ultimately really shifted um, to largely what you see today, but it wasn't as if it was a, we went to bed on a Friday and woke up Monday and knew what it was. It took us a lot of time to really think through the the position, the company, the brand, how we can create something that um, was different than what, what was out there, but also helped really advanced thinking around what could electric vehicle be what could you know new form of mobility be so yeah yeah that that um journey was was a twisty path but ultimately started to align around the idea of products that both enabled and inspired people to go do the kinds of things you want to take photographs of funny as we sit here with cameras um but a brand built around adventure and enabling those types of experiences that's really interesting i didn't know you started on the sports car path Hmm. um i did see that the original name for Rivian okay. was something else, yeah. and that it was Mainstream Motors. Is yeah. that true? And if so, wh- how did all the names? What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't and go with Mainstream Motors. That just feels like a very bland, like generic megacorp name. Uh, how did that choice happen? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I started the company, and when you start a company, you have to have a name to start with. Yeah. I didn't have the final name in mind, so I, I used that Just as like, a placeholder. Yeah. Okay. My dad has a business called Mainstream Engineering, so I used that name. Got it. Uh, which is fun. But then we very quickly switched to Avera, A-V-E-R-A. Mm-hmm. So we were Avera Motors uh, for about a year and a half, and it was a, sort of a plan words, 
it was playing on the word verde and terra, so okay. green earth. Nice. Um, but the name actually sounded phonetically similar to Hyundai had a product, the Azera. Uh. And so this was back in like 2010, 2011. Hyundai's basically said, you need to stop using the name or we're going to sue. Dang. We had no money. Of course, I'm not going to fight with Hyundai over a name that nobody knows about. You got it, Hyundai. So yeah, keep it. Um, so we then went through this long exercise of figuring out what the name should be and um, arrived at Rivian, which I'm so glad that all happened. Yeah. Uh, I like that name a lot more than, than Avera. Same. Uh, Same. But it was something, we wanted to find something that phonetically was sounded like flowing and moving, but um, that of course didn't have a meaning in any language and yeah. uh, we could get the rights to. So it, it was a hard process to come up with a name. I'm, I can sympathize. We're working on a name for a product that we're making and it's been like weeks of oh, debating yeah. oh, different yeah. words and different made up words and just oh, trying totally. to think of yeah. what will work and looking up what's out there. You so, like piece words together. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. We, and when we were doing it, we, we like went out and talked to some third parties that do like naming and branding. And I thought, how hard could this be? And we got a quote back for what they'd charge us. I'm like, Whoa. Okay. So it looks like, uh, it's a it's a real myself choice. and the five or six other engineers at the company had to figure that out uh, without the support of any uh, branding experts. That's funny. But so you you got, you got the logo out of Rivian, you got the the, the sort of font and yeah, everything. The, the branding yeah. is all set. Yeah. And so, adventure vehicle is the theme, and yeah. it's sort of pieced together in that puzzle piece. Yeah, I mean the the logo we call it the compass is it's basically it's a graphic representation of yeah. a compass, and it's just beautifully scalable. You can imagine. It's a brand that can go anywhere, it can take you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's what we wanted. I think the paint colors are a surprisingly good indicator of what the vehicle is designed to do. Do you oh, feel really? that way? I feel like I look at the adventure vehicle theme and then I see your paint colors and I agree with all of them as choices for that specific vehicle. The oh, Kangen really? Red, the red is just like red is awesome. just rust and dirt enough to feel like, yeah, yeah, I can get this thing dirty. Yeah. The the limestone one, the blue turquoise one, which I'll tell you the story is I wasn't planning on getting one, mm. but I did have a reservation in for a Cybertruck and we were going to do the whole tow hitch rig yep. and thing with the Cybertruck to shoot videos. And then we got an R1T in blue in to do a video with. Okay. And so we did the video. We I lived with it for a week. I had almost nothing negative to say about it. I really enjoyed it. And within, you can ask people at the studio, like within a week, I was just like, I kind of think maybe we get one of those instead <laughs> like, that seems pretty great and it's not going to be gigantic and it's going to do all the same stuff we want and it's, yeah. it's and so that's when i place my orders like oh, that's great when the product speaks to me that's that's the most important thing so i feel like strong product thank you does the talking for itself yeah, and thank you. i think that's pretty sweet thanks yeah. yeah and my sort of initial question is like all right every company's got plans mm. they sort of have this vision of how they want things to go yeah. and i think famously elon's detailed a master plan where you, yeah. you make a low volume mm -hmm. high priced car and that fuels the next one which yep. is higher volume lower price yep. so rivian starts with a truck mm -hmm. a smaller pickup truck adventure vehicle type yep. thing r1s the suv is next yep what is the what is the thinking behind this? these two being the first two? Yeah. And how does the rest of the plan look? Yeah. Uh, the, so as I said, when we pivoted, the first, the sort of core idea was let's build a brand that enables and inspires these types of adventures, as I said. Mm -hmm. And we then identified the flagship products to do that with, which we're sitting in one of them now, the R1S, but the, the sibling product, the R1T, mm -hmm. really were intended to be the truly the flagship Following those, uh, we have a smaller set of products, creatively we call R2, R3, right. uh, 
but they move into different form factors, obviously different sizes. And the goal of those is to continue to take the essence of what we've done here in terms of, you know, you can fit your gear, your, your kids, your pets, uh, do it in a really you know, sort of refined and fun way, mm-hmm. but in different packages and in, in smaller form factors. Um, you know, one of the advantages of starting with the flagship product though is it gives you the room to put a lot of content in the vehicle. So in this, in the case of these vehicles, electrohydraulic suspension in terms of damping, mm-hmm. uh, air suspension, quad motor. So yep. really, sort of full content in Sets terms of time. everything you can put into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. The future products will have a little less right. stuff, um, but still deliver on the the essence of the brand. Yeah, that's really interesting because I I talk about. And this video is not even out yet, but it will be soon, which is why I talk about why EVs are generally expensive. And it's obviously every company has to at some point come out with their first electric car, whether you're a startup and it's Mm -hmm. an EV startup or you're Ford or whatever, and you're coming out with your first EV. And it's like you can either differentiate yourself on features and like building it interestingly and having a bunch of cool things that it does or competing on price. And it's way more compelling to compete on how good the vehicle can be and yeah. useful it is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really interesting features with the R1T, yeah. like the flashlight in the door. I mean, talk yeah. me through some of the more interesting decisions that you thought would separate R1T when it came out as a first EV pickup truck. Yeah, we when we were sort of at the drawing board stage, um, there's all kinds of things. We, we said, well, if you electrify the vehicle, what can you do differently? Of course, obvious ones like the front trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, less obvious, uh, like the gear tunnel in the R1T, which yeah. goes through the side of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, but then we started to look for opportunities to just create these little, like almost magical moments. And the flashlight was one that we were really drawn to. Uh, yeah. Just because yeah. it's it's it has a place. It's always there. It's always charged. Um, it's a lithium battery, so it's you know it can last for a really long time. Wasn't there a thing about how many cells are in the battery versus the total number in the truck? Yeah, so in the truck, the like in the SUV as well, there's seven thousand seven hundred seventy-six cells. Okay. And so the cool thing about the flashlight is also gives you that last cell okay. to get to four sevens. Um, that was coincidence, but we were pretty excited when, when that worked out that way. That's hilarious, because most companies would be like, oh yeah, we designed it this way. We were going to do exactly 7777. <laughs> I'm glad you're admitting it was a coincidence, it was but it a worked lucky out nicely. We, we really That's enjoyed, great. yeah. But yeah, all, uh, all those types of little features, the, the one of the biggest challenges in developing a product like this is you have to decide what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to say no to. Mm-hmm. And you're you have to make lots of trade-offs. So the size of the size of the vehicle, the seating configuration, mm-hmm. and and some of those decisions are really big. They sort of set the tone for the whole product. And some of those are small, like let's say like a radius on the on the instrument panel. But mm-hmm. the collection of those millions of decisions ultimately feels like a product that either is like coordinated, like all those decisions were cohesively made across the board, or you can sense an org structure. And so our goal has always been to have it feel as if one united team made several million decisions together over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and the, the result is, is of course, what we're sitting in today. And I'm sure that comes from teams within Rivian working together, communicating often, all of that. Yeah, yeah. And one of the challenges in automotive historically is you, you like the teams and a lot of the technologies either siloed or very often outsourced. So yeah. electronics, software, infotainment, these are not typically things that, that car manufacturers uh, do themselves. Mm-hmm. So for us, vertically integrating our electronic stack, so it's all the computers in the car, the software stack that sits on top of them, allowed us to integrate features in a way that you, you typically don't see. 
Honestly, I think this is one of the differentiating features of this EV, mm. which is this software is really good. Mm. Uh, and I think that's also kind of curious because a lot of traditional car companies yeah. are, I've described them as hardware companies first, really good at manufacturing, and then they happen to also have to do software yeah. to make it all work, where some of the really good ones, Rivian, Tesla, Lucid, you might throw in there, really good software companies that are also making a car that works well around yeah. it. Do you think of that as an advantage for Rivian? Just yeah, specifically? I mean, it's a huge focus for us. And when we talk about software, there's the things we see you know, that manifest in the UI here, but the everything that exists under the surface, so the way the chassis controls work, powertrain controls, battery management, mm -hmm. all of that being developed in-house allows us to quickly iterate and improve yeah. the product and add new features, add more range. Uh, the, our, this year's product is more range than last year's product, but it's right. largely through software, update. software updates, yeah, yep. which is really fun. Um, but, you, but you have to control the the entirety of the software stack to really fully leverage right. all the capabilities. So no Android Auto, no CarPlay. Correct. Which yeah. is what a lot of people, it was, it's kind of surprising. Have you seen the stat Apple posted about like 75% of people won't even consider a car without CarPlay? Yeah. I don't even know if that's true or not, but it just strikes me as like every car video I watch, they at least have to mention, oh yeah, you can just put CarPlay on it. The yeah. software, it doesn't yeah. even matter, just put yeah. CarPlay on it. How do you, Is I'm assuming that's no plans to add those things. But it's sort of a balancing act. Yeah. You have to make this as good as that. Yeah, experience. I mean, a, a lot of the things we do, like whether it's music or mapping, you know, we have to make sure we integrate in with the the best in class platforms. But by controlling the system, it just allows us to be the, you know, the, the arbiter, the, the the head chef in terms of the, the experience that you get uh, mm -hmm. versus handing over control of what we think is one of the most important parts yeah. of the experience. Yeah, I saw Lucid added the Android. I know they added CarPlay, mm. and it was just like a little square in the corner. Okay, it, it didn't look well integrated. Yeah. Well, you kind of get the feeling like they're pressured into adding it, and now it's there, and people are going to use it. But like, imagine how good they could make their own software to accomplish all those things. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing about controlling uh, the software stack is we get to continually make it better. So you've had your R one T. You've hopefully seen this. So each every few weeks, we have a new software release that either adds features, addresses gaps. We listen to feedback. Um, our head of software development is on Reddit all the time. Uh, That's amazing, yeah. Uh, like Smart. hearing what people are saying and interacting. So it's it's great to get the feedback and then we, it drives our, our software roadmap and make sure we're yeah. delivering on what customers want. Do you guys feel like you're like lean enough to respond to like, you, see, you mentioned Reddit, but like YouTube videos, like literal oh, totally. customers yeah. in forums talking about things that they would like. Are you like yeah. actively going in there and going, you know what? This this is a good idea. We hadn't thought of it. Let's let's add this oh, to yeah. the roadmap yeah. all the time. All all the time. I mean, okay. whether it's Reddit um, videos. Um, my dad sending me a text today had an, had some feedback, and we integrated you gotta it. Add so that. Got to add that dad feature. Yeah. So I mean, there's um, there's all that kind of content that comes in, and we have um, you know, we have a roadmap that every roughly every three weeks we have a new software release, mm -hmm. and so we will review what the plans are for that release and. I'll spend time with, with our head of software and the team, and we often bring things in and say, hey, look, this is something, it was a great idea, let's get it in as soon as possible, so it might be a matter of weeks before it gets into the vehicle. Nice. So okay. if you have any ideas, oh, we, I, can, we can, I have, we can put some things in for the next release. Full of ideas. Yeah. I mean, I talk about this on the Autofocus channel where like, I give my feedback, and it's been cool to see companies take that feedback, and then I see a software update, or maybe yeah. it's the next car, and they're eager to point out, like, hey, look, at check this out, we, yeah. we fixed Just what you sure were talking about. Just make sure you're in the release notes. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, something else about R1T uh, is when you look at the other EV pickup trucks that are out now, like F-150 Lightning, mm. 
and even Cybertruck pre-orders, a lot of people's first truck, hmm. which is really interesting to me. Have, is that also true about sure, R1T? Yeah. Do you know a lot about like the typical R1T buyer? Yeah. Um, so most of the customers of R1T haven't owned a truck before. Hmm. And one of the things that we're seeing is that um, often there's the desire for the function that a pickup would have provided in terms of like an open bed storage, yep. the ability to throw things in very easily, but the inefficiency, the the sort of the ride dynamics, the clumsiness of a traditional pickup pickup truck mm-hmm. has kept them from making a purchase. So maybe they had a SUV, maybe they had a hatchback. So it's it's a, it's a very large percentage of customers um, that just haven't owned a pickup before. So it's not only in many cases it's the first EV, but it's the first EV and it's their first pickup. Yeah. And so we've had uh, folks that you just fall in love with the fact that they can put stuff in the back and then the gear tunnel feature is something we're finding is really heavily used as well. Yeah. Yeah, first EV is also interesting because then it, you get to the, how do we design this truck in order to accommodate people who have only ever driven a gas car and yeah. make them feel familiar with it, yeah. but also give them the advantages. Like a lot of things, what I think about a lot driving my Tesla is that it is really just geared to an EV. It's not really trying to accommodate people who have driven a gas car, meaning yeah. Yeah. lift off to coast doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Uh, lift off the brake pedal to creep forward doesn't mm-hmm. happen anymore. But if you drive an EV Cadillac or an EV Ford, like a lot of them yeah. will have those features by default, yeah. the Taycan. Um, what's the balance like in this car? Is it mostly optimizing for what EVs yeah. do best? Or do you think about like, eh, I think gas car people would like this. Yeah, you, you referenced regen. That's that's a big one. We um, you have two. Yeah, we have two regen modes. We have what we call standard and high. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a regen off. And what we found is for those that are like used to coasting, mm-hmm. once you use it for just a little bit of time, the, the ability to do one pedal driving is just a, a better driving experience. Um, so we haven't added that, uh, and we don't have a creep feature either. So we don't sort of emulate or simulate a you know automatic transmission. Do you think that's silly for others to do it? It feels like a lot of them make the decision to add that ability specifically, just to give. I believe it's for the familiarity of like. I don't want to stop yeah. this behavior I've learned for yeah. the last 20 years of driving gas cars. I, it's hard to say. We, I, I think what we found is um, a lot of, more of our customers, you know, it's like three quarters of our customers have never owned an EV before. So it's like things like 80%. Yeah. Um, so they come into an EV for the first time and very quickly reorient around regen, you re- reorient around mm-hmm. sort of when you actually need to use the brake pedal, which is not that often. And, um, and it, you know, it's like you, you learn in a few days. And yeah. So we haven't had the need to add it. It is a, it's an interesting question though, because it's, it's really simulating something that's not mechanically here. Like you're yeah. simulating a torque converter, you're simulating a, yep. an automatic transmission, which is sort of a funny. Simulating an inefficiency. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. It is funny. That's, uh, that's weird. Well, something else I think a lot of EV, first time EV buyers have to contend with is charging. Mm. That's like, the number one question I get when I'm out in the Rivian or any other mm-hmm. EV people ask about it. What are your thoughts on the current state of EV charging? Yeah, it's it's a challenge. In, in the United States, There's um, there's been a massive underinvestment in charging infrastructure. Um, and realizing that we decided to build out our own infrastructure so it's it's in its early stages but yeah. we call it the Rivian Adventure Network. Uh, it's a DC fast charge network. We have about uh, I mean, we're early today. We have about 30 sites that are up. Each one has six DC fast chargers. They can charge 
The charger can charge up to 300 kilowatts, which means it's protected for future products as well. Cool. Uh, these take up to about 220 kilowatts today, but um, you know, as, as we have new products come out, that, that'll continue to grow to fully utilize the charging capability of, of the chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of independent networks, there's only a, a couple that are out there outside of Tesla, mm-hmm. and um, and they're not very good. A lot of them have real reliability problems or uptime problems or not very predictable. So this is one of the reasons we're investing you know, so much money and so much capital into building out a, a very large network. What we've said publicly is we'll have over 600 charging stations uh, within about two years. So it's worldwide. It's, uh, in the, well, first in the states, US, yeah. just in the US. Yeah, and and really opening up. You know, as you'd imagine, the, the key corridors so up and down the West Coast, the East yeah. Coast, and then connecting you know the West Coast to the East Coast. So that's yeah. the prioritization. I think you know Tesla's network's a very strong network. Um, clearly, the best network that's out there today. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're building, we hope to create a, a network that has equal level of density in terms of chargers, but also in terms of uptime. Yeah. Do you think of it as like competing with Tesla? Because I feel like with the Rivian, the more you can build out your own network, the better experience it will be for Rivian yeah. customers. And the better the public charging experience gets, yeah. the better it is for going on road trips. Yeah, and if you yeah. get a home charger, the whole thing starts looking yeah. really good. Um, but there's just like a couple of Tesla chargers that have added this adapter that can yeah. now work and they'll show up in the map, which is yeah. great. Do you wish there were more open on Tesla's network? Yeah, I, I think that, I think more will open on Tesla's network. We've, uh, Rivians can charge on that on Tesla's network where they're open. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way I think about it is over time, I hope um, charging starts to become more ubiquitous and it becomes less of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can't rely on that happening independently from us, we've decided to build our own network. True. It's a you know it's many hundreds of millions of dollars to go do that, but it um, but it creates a much better customer experience. So you know a year from now. The density of Rivian chargers will really help solve a lot of these core issues, and and we'll see third-party networks start to build up as well. But because our chargers are, and we design them, we build them, we build them actually in the same plant we build the vehicles. The they're really high quality, so the uptime is high. We monitor them; it's a key part key part of the customer experience. Yeah. And so one of the challenges with the independent networks is, uh, if you're a first-time EV buyer, and you buy and you're on a road trip and you go to one of the choices, let's say Electrify America, and it doesn't work. Yeah, that's a really frustrating experience. And Agreed. It's not something Rivian can control. Right. Uh, it's it's outside of our control. And, and so, by building our own network, we can ensure that the chargers themselves are well maintained and and working. So you you kind of have like an infrastructure in place to keep the uptime high. There's people monitoring them. That oh, for sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Because that seems like the biggest difference between a well maintained and a not well maintained charging network is it's just like for sure. there is there has to be some level of effort to maintain quality. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I review every week, I get the uptime report for every one of our chargers. Okay. And that's one of the things is we, we deployed our, these first initial sites with mostly concentrated on the West Coast. Um, we wanted to make sure the systems were all working, our teams were able to service them. Mm-hmm. The uptime is extremely good on those. What is a good uptime on a charger? I mean, like as a percentage? 99. 99, point, okay. Yeah, you know, five, okay. something like that it needs to be. Because it's if it doesn't work, if it doesn't a, work, it's very, like immediately it starts affecting. It's people. a very bad experience. Yes, yeah, yes. I'm on a road trip. Charger doesn't work. Um, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So the, also having multiple chargers per site ensures that if, if there's an issue with one of the dispensers, mm-hmm. uh, there's another one there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So every one of our sites has two cabinets that do um, that do all the power conversion, and then we have six dispensers. Gotcha. Are there? 
I guess I always ask about future plans, but p- potentially larger sites in the yeah, future because so other cars six, can charge on Rivian's network, right? And we're going to open it up right now. It's, okay. it's Rivian's only, but it's six, nine, twelve, cool. sort of groups of three. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I like that. I think we have well, we have a, two sites of nine chargers today. Got it. Are there any on the East Coast? I feel like I've looked for them. But There's a couple. Seen. Okay. But in like a month, there'll be more, and a month after that, it, yeah. it'll start populating, and yeah. growing quickly. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. 
So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Has it surprised you at all how much investment is required to also build out the charging network aside from the vehicles? No, we, 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 we sort of went into it knowing it's going to yeah, be expensive. It's going to be heavy, I think yeah. what's more surprising is sometimes just how hard the um, the process to get everything approved is. You know, so huh. to building the site, sometimes the everything from a zoning and, and permitting point of view takes more time than the site itself. Right. Interesting. So the, the pipeline, there's we have several hundred sites in the pipeline that are like in various stages just of permitting and zoning. Stages. Yeah. Interesting. And then, Charger being built and then the charger gets set up really quickly. Got it. Okay, that's cool. So, so you've got R1T is yep. out. Then you get to R1S mm-hmm. for customers. There is also, and I don't know if you even know this, like a quarter mile down the road around the corner, there's an Amazon facility. Okay. And sometimes I'll drive in here and I'll see like nine Rivian delivery vans passing okay. in a row, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, they're doing it too. They're yep. also doing that. Yeah. What's that business been like? Is that a huge part of what keeps Rivian? afloat is that a uh, sort of a 50 50 split with yeah. the customer business what does that look like for you yeah the uh, one of the challenges we've had in the last uh in the last year really if we look at 2022 is we launched the truck the r1t mm-hmm. we launched this the r1s and we launched two versions of the van a, a 500 cubic foot version a 700 cubic version and a product launch you know launching manufacturing on something like this is any vehicle is really hard there's several yeah. thousand parts that have to come together from hundreds of suppliers and um yeah, the wipers going on yeah. right there uh and so you have hundreds of suppliers with thousands of parts all of them to be synchronized and coming together and to do that on any vehicle is hard to do that in a vehicle when you've got this supply chain crisis happening in the backdrop it's really hard and to do that when you've got the challenges of operating with covid it was it was incredibly hard, um, and to sort of stack those four different vehicles over the course of the last year was was yeah. was uh, tested our, our operational capabilities, and it showed all the gaps that we had, and, and we learned so much in the last year. But as it stands today, the the T and the S, the R1 platform is ramping, and the van program, uh, while it's a completely different vehicle top hat, we do share some of the electronics, okay. uh, share some of the uh, propulsion element, elements of the propulsion platform. But um, but it's a much easier vehicle to build. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know there's like one seat and a jump seat. I, yeah, uh, I and was it's like say, a big box with shelves in the back. So it's yeah. it's yeah, it's a it's a different kind of vehicle than this. When you look at this, this is a lot of content. This is a complex vehicle to build. Definitely. So the Amazon vans and the commercial vans, we're, we're ramping those as you say. But you're going to start seeing a lot of them on the roads. Yeah, it's so. it's kind of. I feel like that's the most common Rivian vehicle I see on the road right now. Maybe oh, really? it's just because of be- being in New Jersey, being there's, around the Amazon facility. There's more R1s on the road. Um, there are a lot around it, here. The, the, the key is we deploy those in, in clusters. I see. So there's probably a big cluster here 
and then they also have to have their own like charging setup and they Correct, get do yeah. they get like walked through the advantages of the vehicle and like what to do versus well, not to do for, for a driver i mean yeah. imagine um you're in a van all day long driving this is this yeah. is your office yep so the comfort the drivability things like regen these all become really key elements of of your of your what it feels like to be at work during the day yeah so we've spent a lot of time on driver comfort and with drivers in the feedback loop through the development process. And one of the things we found was um, most important was actually getting in and out of the vehicle. So mm-hmm. you have to get in and out of the vehicle a lot. about 300 times a day. Jeez. Okay. So the van is asymmetric. So on the driver's side, there's a forward hinge door, right. uh, which actually on a, on a route, you don't use that often. Yeah. And on what we would call the passenger side, there's a pocket door. So mm-hmm. a door that sort of slides into the body itself. And so the ease at which you can hop out of the driver's seat, grab a package, and then get out of the vehicle through this open pocket door mm-hmm. makes just that whole process a lot easier. And so that coupled with, of course, the drivability of an EV, and then a really heavy focus on thermal control. So the seats are cooled and heated. Nice. Um, and when I say cooled, not just vented, but actually uh, you know, cooled refrigerated air oh, blowing up through the seat. Huh. Which on a hot day feels really nice to hot, hot, sit down in a, on a I seat. And it's almost like when you when you go into the kitchen, you open the refrigerator to cool off, and it yeah. blows a burst of cool air. It's like your cool seat does that to you. So it's really nice. something that the drivers um, have responded to positively, and it's the sought after vehicle right. within the you know within the distribution centers. That's really interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah, I see them a lot now, which is funny. But I guess that that kind of reminds me of like all of the decisions that have to go into making like each every little thing with yeah. someone's like real choice they had like an a b c choice and they were Mm -hmm. like all right we're going to put the little logos here on the wireless charger uh and i've even mentioned in some of the autofocus videos like a little tiny feedback on what i might have done a little differently like in this one i'll say when i pop something on the wireless charger it slides around we're fixing that a little ridge are you this is this was there's a lot of things that aren't right about the charging pad but it's um phone slides around too easy the way the induction coils are set up Mm-hmm. And I spaced well enough to allow for such a wide variance in phone sizes. Yep. So this is um, this is going to get updated pretty soon. You heard it here first. It's yeah. up, it's being updated. It is, focus absolutely. It is super frustrating right now. Okay. When it's, the phone slides. But there, on top of that, there's a lot of really well thought out things like the charges back here and then the cable routing coming out here. So if you yeah, do a wired phone, yeah. that works great. There's also the the speaker. That's more of like an that's. Okay, there are some features that skirt the line for me right between feature and gimmick. I'm like, am I going to use this speaker? Yeah. Where is this skirting the line for you too? Just like a the fun speaker? thing. Let's just add a speaker. Just we got the space. Why the not? The speaker's fun. Um, we have a, a option that's coming going to come out soon. Which there's another first. Mm-hmm. Uh, that speaker when it goes in, there's a if you look on the back of it. Yeah. Can I pull this out? Uh, tripod's probably in the way, but I think uh, on the I'll bottom look, there's like the bottom, that. It's like a little retaining hook. And what yes. that's for is if the vehicles, when the vehicles in drive, mm-hmm. that latch closes. Yeah. So that if you were to brake hard or get into an accident, the speaker doesn't become a projectile. Yep. But that that latch and the whole electronic mechanism around that creates an opportunity for this to be a modular space. So we actually have instead of a speaker, mm. we have a drawer module that's going to go in. Hmm. So imagine like a little that like could be box that carries stuff. Yeah, that's going to be uh, an optional. Basically, you could choose the speaker or this drawer. Okay, that's cool. But the um, the thing about the speaker is it's really handy when you don't plan to need a speaker mm-hmm. uh, and you yeah, have a speaker. It, so like if you're yeah. if you're at a campsite, if you're at a friend's house helping to move a couch, if you're have a garage dance party whatever whatever which my kids love to do okay. like all those kinds of things you're not planning for yeah. um you have a really nice 
speaker with a big battery that can last a while. Yeah. It's also a charging dock, which is handy. So we, yep. a lot of people use it for a charging dock, which is like the most over-designed charging dock you can imagine. It's pretty great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and no, I I think there's a lot of things that that are like that. When I see a vehicle that has a feature, I immediately think like, is this designed for a person or for a demo? And yeah. I wonder like, okay, yeah, most of the features in here are like very well laid out, and then there's a couple that are just like, ah, I think I so, might use that flashlight so once sp- in a while. Well, flashlight, I flashlight we find gets used a lot. It I, is I good. use it all the time. Yeah, the theme is the better. the speaker's probably bigger than it needed to be. You mm-hmm. probably we probably could have gone with a smaller one. I mean, I, I've literally used it. Where my phone's dead, and I'm like, damn, I need a phone charge. So I grab oh, the sure. speaker. I'm like carrying the speaker out with me, a wire attached to it. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, boy, I wish we'd made this a little smaller. That's funny. Um, yeah. So I what, guess what is another thing that you find is something you don't use a lot? Um, okay. The one s- small detail, small detail yeah. with the gear tunnel and the R1T okay. is if I have something that's not big enough and I'm driving and it slides mm. around, yeah. I might put it in on the left side, but when I arrive at my destination, it's on the other side. Yeah. yeah. Is a little ridge maybe a good idea or is it just like should i only ever put golf clubs in there like what's the usual use case for the gear tunnel hmm. it's fun um so there's a whole series there's a whole group of people that have thought about what like do we put retainers or different sort of cubbies if you will within the gear, sure. gear tunnel there's a floor mat that we're, we're kind of has a ridge okay. um what we're finding most people use it for duffel bags yeah which is very common yeah um not basketballs or things that roll easy for exactly that point. Yeah. Uh, but but things that sort of you put there stay in place. Obviously, golf clubs, mm-hmm. uh, snowboards is a really common one uh, that we see all the time. Snow boots is a really common one. The camp kitchen's gone. The camp the camp kitchen's is gone. Gone. It is. Yeah. But was it just not enough coming. people? Um, it's a good question. No, it's a really popular feature. It was more. There was more people that wanted it than more. The take rate was higher than we expected. Mm-hmm. We went. Th- we're going through a redesign process to redesign it to something that uh, it's very cool. We're going to show it soon. That doesn't consume the whole space. Okay. So one of the challenges with the kitchen, as we originally designed it, is people had this painful uh, decision between: Do I want to use my gear tunnel, or do I want the entire thing? The to entire be thing out. used up with the kitchen. Yeah. So we have a cheaper, lower cost update design that, that is much less That doesn't space take consuming. up the whole thing. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's... And so we pulled it off the off of our configurator while we go through the redesign. Originally, we thought we'd keep it the same, mm-hmm. but it's changing so much that it's it's going to be a, a reset to how we think about kitchens. We think a, the kitchen space is really interesting for a vehicle that's designed to... To be out. To go out doing things. It's, you know, we all congregate around food. It's a really great way to bond. Mm-hmm. So, and you have enough power to cook many many meals in the vehicle so uh that was something we spent time on interesting yeah so i guess in the in the larger big picture you're the ceo of rivian mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of decisions get to the point where like other leaders have talked to me about this if it's an easy enough decision mm-hmm. it gets solved quickly by people who work in that specific department yeah. and if it's a more difficult decision it gets escalated more yeah. and eventually your job just becomes sifting through the most difficult interesting decisions yeah. that you have yeah. to make along with strategy how do you think about steering the rivian ship and the decisions that you have mm-hmm. to make and maybe if you have an example of some tougher decisions how you go through that process yeah it's you know in in something as complex as a vehicle um you know, if our, if our products were, if we're making, I don't know, insulated cups or something much simpler, conceivably, like you could be, I could be involved in every decision. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the radius of the edge of the cup? Mm-hmm. You know, how does the, the top screw on? On something like a vehicle, there's 
so you know, so many millions of decisions that need to be taken that by 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 very definition, I should be involved in a small fraction. And, and as you said, it's it's the really key foundational decisions or the really hard subjective decisions. Um, so on, on these products, on, on R1, um, the team was a lot smaller when a lot of the core decisions were made. So I was very much in a lot of the details of R1. Mm-hmm. As we're now working on future products, uh, where I'm focusing a lot of my time is on the, the key technical decisions. So the decisions around compute platforms, uh, battery cell architecture, mm-hmm. uh, network architecture, so what's our topology of computers within the vehicle. Um, and I get very involved in those items, but then we have really strong teams that can do some of the detailed design work on, let's say, executing seats or executing body structures. Um, but of course, when everything, anything escalates around like a design trade-off, that's a classic one. Like it, would you like to look like this? It'll cost more, it'll weigh more. I see. Or we can make it look less cool, um, but it'll cost less and weigh less. Those types of trade-offs, sometimes it's hard to have them made automatically to require some level of escalation. And they kind of, I guess, add in, they, they compile. So you can make one of those decisions and it might feel like just one, but if you made all of the decisions in one direction, yeah. then you'd end up with a different product entirely, where yeah. maybe there's one thing that you steer one way while another thing you steer the other way. For sure, I mean, it's it, you know, on a vehicle with a cost target, yeah. you have to decide where you're gonna spread investment. And right. Like, so do you wanna put, a thousand more dollars into the interior? Do you want to put it into the hood? Do you want to put it into the chassis? Do you want to put it into range? So these are all this mm-hmm. complex web of trade-offs. Yeah. Well, that, that trade-off web gets super complex when you aim for like a $35,000 car. Like yeah. this, is the, this is the ultimate question I always get, which is, man, I want an EV, but they're all so expensive. Yeah. When are they going to have like a Volkswagen Golf that's mm. electric and it's yeah. got all the same range and everything and it's the same price? Mm. I don't know about you, but I see that as like a horizon thing. Yeah. Like the battery technology has to get cheaper. There's a lot yeah. of expensive parts of electric cars. How do you think about the eventual goal of potentially a much more affordable, attainable EV for the masses? Yeah, it's it's really important. And, and what we don't want to have happen as, as consumers or for us as a company is to just dilute it down to where there's no personality or excitement. So mm-hmm. I think that's where we talk about this a lot is... Um, you can do innovation through additions. You add features, you add content, um, you add technology. Um, the ability to do innovation through subtraction where you really distill down to the core essence of what is what is the product and the brand stand for. Mm-hmm. So as, you know, we're deep into our, our next set of programs on the R2 platform and those vehicles, there's huge debates around like where we apply spending, where, where we put yeah. bill of materials cost is it in the suspension you know how capable does the vehicle need to be off-road relative to let's say on-road driving dynamics or in terms of interior content and so these are these are really big decisions so you know something like this we have a sunglass holder here yep that adds money cost yep do we want to do something like that or would you rather have you know a removable flashlight in the door these are those are the decisions and so for the the r2 product lineup we have less dollars to spend, yep. and so there, those de- like things that we didn't have to debate as much on a flagship product like this. We really are debating heavily. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so, what's core to the brand is a flashlight in the door really critical right. versus um, you know being able to manage certain off-road conditions, which which drive costs of the body structure and it's a chassis. So these are 
these are the really fun crunchy debates that we have yeah. internally. So R2 is a lower plat lower cost overall platform for a vehicle. Much and that's why cost, the, yeah. that's why the decisions are more frequent between potentially things instead of just why not both because it's a $90,000 truck. Yeah, and so we have um, we we talk about it a lot there's only so many really cool mm -hmm. features we can add in the vehicle. Yeah. And and each one has a price tag and we you know we're constantly adding all those up and saying we is the some of the parts where we want it to be. It's a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. And this evolves over time too, because I'm sure, you know, whether the target for R2 is low or you get like 10, 12 years down the road and then there's a $25,000 vehicle, yeah. like eventually accessibility is the goal. Is there a future, do you share the vision of like, eventually every car's electric? Is that like an inevitable oh, sure. future? Yeah, sure. So it's like- It needs to be the outcome, yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that just means, yes, eventually we will have to get to incredibly affordable EVs everywhere that do satisfy various people's needs. Yeah, I mean, when you think about, um, it's pretty wild. We're, we, we, we lived through this period of time in human history where for like this brief moment, the whole world ran on fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine history books 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now, looking back and there was like this blip of time where like our generation and our parents and our parents' parents yeah. lived on like hundreds of millions of years of accumulated carbon in the form of fossil fuels. And that just won't be the way the planet runs. Uh, and it shouldn't be. And the sooner we can get off of it, the less risk we put on our, on our you know, planet's ecological systems and, of course, on climate. Mm -hmm. So, like, our view is we need to make the switch as fast as we possibly can. But it's it's unquestionable that the switch will certainly happen in, in you know, in, in the very near term, in the next 15 years, I, I would say. Yeah. yeah. What, would you, uh, what would you say to other more traditional car companies who are lagging on their switch to making good EVs. Because there's a lot of them out there and I talk to them and I yeah. talk to, obviously the ones that do make EVs, I review the products, and then there are some that just seem to not be super interested in making a good quality EV. Or maybe yeah. there's legislation that's like, oh, we gotta get our emissions average down, but like, yeah. we're not really focused on that yet. Is there Are there messages that regular people can send voting with their wallets? Like, what would you say to them? I think people are starting to vote with their wallets. Okay. You're seeing, one, I mean, you own EVs, you own a Rivian, you own a Tesla. I mean, uh, this is, um, once you move into an EV, mm -hmm. it's really hard to go the opposite direction. And yeah. and I think that is gonna become even more true as we solve charging. So as we build yeah, more charging exactly. structures, the reason, as I said, Rivian's investing so heavily in our charging network. Um, but I'd say that the other reality is, is we shouldn't make the choice to go to an electric vehicle just about electrification. It should just be the best thing you can buy. So True. if you're buying a seven passenger through an SUV mm -hmm. and you want something that's a premium capable vehicle, this should be the best thing you can buy. And that's, yeah. and the fact that it's electric is, is a great thing from an, from an environmental point of view, from a dynamics point of view, but, but ultimately the, the product in totality needs yeah. to just be the one you want. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of what makes uh, the cheaper EVs a tougher sell right now is because mm -hmm. they're not necessarily the best thing at that price. Yeah. Where you see like the thirty to $45,000 EVs where they, they had to make a lot of the choices which were, we're going to cut a lot of personality yeah. here or we're going to cut a lot of the, the things that people typically expect in a car of this price yeah. to offer an EV. Where I guess strategically speaking, yeah. the best way to start is at the top yeah. where you make that convincing value proposition. This is the best version. Yeah. And yeah. it is electric, so now we've set the tone for electric, yeah. and then we can work our way down in price. Yeah, that's what, uh, for us with R2, is so exciting, is the ability to have, you talked about, like, cut the personality, the vehicle have all the same, like, rich personality that we find in the R1 platform, Okay. but 
like curated so thoughtfully that yeah. the fact that there's less content and maybe we spend less money so instead of a quad motor there's less motors but but the dynamics the capabilities all of that still really feel special yeah okay well i'm looking forward to r2 yeah, it sounds awesome. like that's going to be gonna exciting cool. when cool. should we expect to see the first r2 stuff if it's not too far out uh we're not going to show it for a little while okay. um but sometime in the next roughly year okay yeah. nice yeah well uh, I think we should do a walk around of the vehicle yeah, and we'll do that on the autofocus channel. So if you're watching the podcast, thanks for watching. Thanks for spending the time yeah, for you. the waveform yeah. audience. I'm yeah. sure they'll enjoy it and uh, watch the autofocus video when we walk around the R1S. Awesome. Thanks for watching. See you guys later. Peace. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.